You will note the absence this morning of our senior and associate pastors. Both Sabrina and Chad's families are dealing with COVID cases and are in varying stages of isolation and quarantine. Everyone's illness seems manageable and everyone is expected to recover completely. Suffice it to say we're being as careful as possible to avoid COVID and minimize the spread of all the, all the other respiratory illnesses of this season. You should also know that the staff and the session have been noting the increase in cases in our community this week, both in Houston and in our neighborhood here in Kingwood. It appears that this variety is much more contagious, but not as severe as other COVID strains. So today we're strongly recommending and encouraging masking. We're going back to our packaged communion sets. You'll notice that we've reinstituted our distancing and the seating. And our church as always suggests that you consult with your own personal physician or healthcare provider to find out what is the best way for you to stay healthy. You should know also the session is continuing to monitor the situation week by week and we'll adjust our responses and how we run our church accordingly. Our scripture today, you've actually already heard because we use it as the institution of our baptism. We're going to look at it also from another angle this morning. It's the last uh, chapter of, of Matthew's gospel, as Jesus leaves his earthly time on earth with the apostles. These verses have sometimes been called the Great Commission. Jesus has been crucified, dead, and resurrected, and then he appears to his disciples and his followers in Jerusalem. He then directs them back to Galilee, Galilee, where it had all begun three years before. Galilee, where he had started his public ministry, where Jesus had called his disciples to follow him, Galilee, where he had performed his first miracles. It was a perfect location to complete the circle, to end his time on earth before ascending from his followers. And his last words to them were appropriately weighty and noteworthy. So listen now that by faith we might hear God's word for us today. And Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We're going to take this scripture apart this morning, look at it in a little more detail. We're going to look at the words as they were originally written and what they originally meant to the writers who wrote them. The first word we're going to look at in this scripture is go. Go is a Greek word, the same as in English, means to depart or to pass from one place to another. But the tense of this verb is in as you are going. In other words, as you travel, as you move around, as you are visiting, journeying, as you are living your life, as you encounter people, having opportunities to meet and greet. Go as you're going. The next words to think about are make disciples. A disciple is a student. So to make a student is to train someone to become a believer, to instruct in the sense of coaching someone one-to-one, face-to-face, to learn something new, to teach something new, a new way of life. Next word is teaching. This is actually different than uh, instructing, but it, it means as in teaching a class. Think about a lecture or someone leading a group of people listening, not one-on-one, but as, as a group. Next, we look at the word obeying. Obeying means to maintain strict practical conformity to a teaching, to remain harmonious with the teaching. 
Next word is remember. Remember here is not just a suggestion, a little kind uh, thought. It's an imperative. It should be translated as, listen up, check this out. And finally, the end of the age. This, these words mean the completion of eternity until everything is accomplished. So we might, in modern English, translate this to say, as you're going about living your life, meeting people, then train them, coach them in this new way of life. And if there's a group gathered, lead them all in careful instruction about what it means to be a Christian. Show them the value of knowing practical ways to follow this path closely. Listen to me now. I'm with you until it's all over. If this is Christ's commission to us, then we should take it seriously. It should be a guiding principle of who we are, what we do, what we are to do when we're going. So that brings us to some more scripture, which describes to us how the very first disciples responded to this commission, what it meant to the very first Christians to share the good news of the gospel. Our second scripture comes from Acts chapter 13. You recall that this book is commonly referred to as the Acts of the Apostles, but Chad reminds us that regularly that it's more accurately to, to call it uh, the Acts of the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit worked in the new church, the fresh, freshly formed Christian church. So this is from Acts 13. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had prayed and fasted, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. This is the description that Luke gives us of the beginning of the spread of the church in Asia Minor, what we now would call Turkey. Antioch, the city described, was a bustling cosmopolitan center with a wide variety of cultures, and religions, social communities. By this time, Christianity had already appeared in Antioch, and there was a growing church there. Teachers had gathered from other parts of the known world, Africa, Jerusalem, Cyprus, Tarsus. But the scripture tells us that something new, something remarkable happened. While they were worshiping and fasting, just going about the routine Christian life as they knew it, the Holy Spirit came to them and specified two of their numbers, Barnabas and Saul, to a new work, a new calling, one they had not done before, one that no one had ever done before. They were called to share the good news with parts of the world who did not know it. Jews who were awaiting the Messiah but did not know that he had already come. Early Christians who believed but did not know the whole story of Christ. Gentiles who had been worshiping their own gods and Caesar and had no idea who Jesus was. And the preparation for this new missionary vocation was this, fasting, praying, placing of hands on them, and sending them off. It was the first time missionaries were ever released to their work, but it was not the last. A couple of things to note on this story from Acts. They had gathered at the church in Antioch where a family of faith existed, and we assume that teaching and instruction in the new Christian faith were happening. It was perhaps 47 AD, 17 years after Christ's crucifixion and resurrection, 10 years after Paul's conversion on the Damascus Road. So Paul was not a new convert to the faith. He'd already experienced living in the congregation of local churches. 
Note also the wide variety of backgrounds of the congregation. Many cultures, many countries, different societies, but they were all bound by their faith and fellowship in the church. All they really had in common was their Christian faith. Next, note that the plan to send out Barnabas and Paul was not decided by a committee. There was no mission program. There was no budget. They didn't check to see if they had vacation time available. They didn't look at the school calendar. It was instigated and inspired by the Holy Spirit who nudged and encouraged and caused the sending to go. Paul and Barnabas were simply set apart for the work to which they're called. God moved in the hearts and minds of the congregation and the missionaries, saying to them through the Holy Spirit, you are the ones, go do the work, it's prepared for you. Consider this, what if Jesus was serious? And one of our principal callings in life is as you go about living your life, meeting people, training them, coaching them in this new way of life, what is that? What if that is what we are actually about? When groups are gathered, Jesus said to lead them all in careful instruction about what it means to be a Christian. Christ tells us to show them the value of knowing practical ways to follow this path closely. And Jesus says, listen to me now. You're not in this alone. I'll be with you until it's all over. If this instruction, if this commission is true and clear, then we cannot simply attend church and engage in fellowship, take classes, enjoy our church family. No, there's more. We are called to go and to meet and to coach and to lead and to instruct. We must leave and trust and show the love of Christ to people who have never heard it or do not really understand the good news of the gospel. This is the Great Commission. And consider this. Our friend Paul could have just stayed in Antioch. He could have become a local church leader. He could have taught classes at the church, continued his lifelong study of scripture, told his story to the local congregation, led a full and productive life. But he was called to do more. He could have saved up, retired comfortably, and we would never know that he existed. But the Holy Spirit moved in his life and the life of his church. And the lands to which he was sent were challenging communities, some Jewish congregations, some early Christian gatherings, some Greek cities, some Roman outposts. He had to change his approach at nearly every stop. The more villages he visited, the more skilled he became at telling the good news of Jesus. The trust that the church in Antioch displayed in sending out Paul and Barnabas was rewarded abundantly. And the world was forever changed, one person at a time. So what does this have to do with First Prayers Kingwood? Here's what I suggest. Jesus meant what he said. If we claim to be followers of Christ and we enjoy the teaching and the fellowship of our church, then we are called to move, to go, to meet and greet, to show others the beauty of the gospel and the power of Jesus' love. We are called to live our life and in our going, meet people, coach people, encourage people, people who have never heard the good news of the gospel before. And I suggest that our church is not unlike Antioch. We have congregational members from a wide variety of cultures, different communities, different traditions, different jobs. Each of us brings unique and valuable gifts to our church family. And another truth that I offer you, our church, if it is following the Great Commission, will be called to send you as Antioch sent Paul and Barnabas. 
The Holy Spirit can be trusted to inspire and encourage our church to send you. And that same Holy Spirit can be trusted to call you to the work that has been prepared for you. This calling to you will not be a single word or a note. You will hear it repetitively and the Spirit will move in your heart and mind, convince you this is your time. This is your calling. This is your sending. I hope you will not be surprised that First Prayers Kingwood has a 30-year history of missions, both local and at a distance. Our church has served in Kingwood, Humble, Porter, and Houston. We have launched dozens of trips for our youth to Alaska, Oklahoma, Louisiana, Colorado, Wyoming, South Dakota, Florida, Georgia, Alabama, Arizona. Individuals from our church have served in the Philippines, India, Honduras, Guatemala, El Salvador, Mexico, and Peru. Dozens of FPCK covenant partners have been and are engaged in local missions like Humble Area Assistance Ministries, Kids Hope, Houston Responds Disaster Relief. In every situation, members of our church family have been called to explore and to plan and to organize these missions. And in every situation, the Holy Spirit has called individuals, you and me, to serve. These have sometimes been full-time missionaries, but also, and more regularly, it's just folks like you and me. High school kids with minimal life experiences, some adult professionals, some retired folks, but mainly people whose only calling requires willing hearts and able hands. And in nearly every instance, both the church and the individual missionaries have sensed that God's will and Jesus' great commandment were met and fulfilled by their service. In this time of the year, our church is making preparations for our summer mission season. We are optimistic, as we always are, that everything will be ready for us to equip and send covenant partners to serve Christ in a wide variety of places. Of course, as with all mission projects, we remain very flexible realizing we may have to adjust plans as circumstances dictate. So here's my challenge to you. Is this the year that you are ready to be sent? Has the Holy Spirit placed in front of you invitations, encouragement, opportunities to serve God and to be Christ's hands and feet and voice in places outside of your comfort zone? As Christians and particularly as Presbyterians, we know we are called to worship. It is one of our main ends of life. We are also called to learn, to study, to share with our covenant partners the blessings of learning our scriptures. But if Jesus' great commandment is fundamental, then worship and study are our training grounds. These equipping ministries are designed to give us the energy, the resources, and the encouragement to go out into our world. A famous missionary once said that the people of God should have hard feet and soft hands. By that, she meant that Christians should be using their feet to travel to many places, perhaps over rough roads. But they should also have soft hands so they can gently convey the good news of Jesus Christ to God's people. Friends, it is 2022. I wish you a happy new year and all the blessings of God to you and your family. May we all experience a healthier, safer, and more peaceful year. But this year, as in every year, you and I need to be carefully watching for the guidance, the encouragement, and the reassurance of the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit who moved in the fledgling church at Antioch lives and works and breathes in our congregation today. The Spirit is calling God's people to make disciples as it has for 2,000 years. 
Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the blessing of worship with our church family and the sharing of the gospel with each other as we study and learn your Holy Spirits, your Holy Scriptures. We ask that you send your Holy Spirit, as you always do, to lead and guide and inspire us to become the people you have designed us to be, going, baptizing, teaching, obeying, and trusting. For we ask it all in Christ's name. And all God's people in one voice said, Amen.